buongiorno or buonasera, wherever you are. What up? I'm excited because there are lots of things happening inside of Her Renewed Strength, including today's episode, which is part two of our Bible study series featuring a study on the book of Philippians. So we're in chapter two this week, and I'll be highlighting a verse that you might have heard before, but maybe not understood, at least I didn't when I continued to hear it. And that verse says, quote, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, if you're curious about what that means, or if you're just passionate about God's word and you want to know what Paul had to say on this, you're in for a treat because I'm going to be digging into that quite a bit today. Now, before we dig in, I want to just make a couple quick announcements. 2023 renewed conference registration is officially open. This is a virtual conference. So if this is the first time you're hearing about it, don't worry, you don't need to fly anywhere and you don't need to buy anything because it's absolutely free. Head to herrenewedstrength.com forward slash conference to register completely free. And the second announcement is that I have a few spots left for one-on-one coaching and they will not last. So if you're ready to finally see some change in the way you live your life, have accountability, guidance, and a personalized plan of action so you can actually experience the transformation in your schedule, in your walk with the Lord, and in your spirit, email me, erica at herrenewedstrength.com, and let's get going. All right. Now, shifting back into the purpose of the episode, I want you to grab your Bible because we're digging into Philippians chapter two. Let's do it. You're now listening to Her Renewed Strength, the podcast, a place where you, my sisters in Christ, are encouraged to walk by faith and equipped to live well, steward well, and set your minds on eternity. I'm your host, Erica Diaz Castro, your Jesus-loving Puerto Rican life coach. If you're tired of living a life burdened by anxiety, burnout, or overwhelm, if you're ready to do more of what you love, create more space for the things and people that matter most, and better steward the gifts and resources God graced you with, if you want coaching, encouragement, fellowship, and just a friend to help you shift your perspective from the temporal to the eternal, you're in the right place. Grab a coffee, journal, and a pen. Let's invite the Holy Spirit to the party. And let's dig into today's episode. All right. So we are digging into chapter two in the epistle written by Paul to the Philippians. And as I said in part one of our study last week, if you didn't listen to that, make sure you go back and listen to part one. That would be episode 184. We talked about living a life worthy of the gospel, what that means. Today, I just want to remind you of the two major themes in the book of Philippians, and that is endurance amid strife and then growing in affection toward God. So we see some keywords. Suffering is a keyword. Thanksgiving is a keyword. And today I am going to be really focusing in on one particular verse that stumped me the first time that I ever heard it. I was like, what does that actually mean? And We're going to be looking at a number of different pieces of scripture and passages throughout the Bible that speak to this. So be sure that you're taking notes because I don't have show notes for you. I'm so sorry. Alrighty. Chapter two, verse one. Therefore, 
if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. So in these two verses, he's talking about unity, right? Paul is basically saying, if there is any blessing that you've received in your walk with the Lord, share that with others. Not because you're just sharing, but because you are essentially moving into a posture of unity, okay? Verse three, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. And this just really speaks to that theme of unity that we're seeing in this particular passage. So I think something that's important to remember is that Sometimes, especially in a place where people are thriving, right? This is a thriving colony. They're very prosperous. They are important politically and financially. People can get competitive. So he's encouraging them to be united, not to be competing with each other, but to be putting other people before themselves. I'm here in the U.S. If you're in the U.S. or in in a country that is like considered a first world country, I don't know if that's PC or not, but fine. You know that especially in like coastal places or big cities, people are always in competition and it can get ugly. It's a very sharky world, right? Especially if you're in places like Washington, D.C., New York City. San Francisco, the Bay Area, places like that where people are constantly going for similar things and there's just too many people, we can get ahead of ourselves and just focus on the fact that we're against people for whatever reason, right? Maybe we're both going for the same job or whatever. And here, Paul is offering that sweet, very gentle encouragement to love others as we love ourselves in so many words. Verse five, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ, Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, right? And that was Jesus being humble. Verse seven, rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the Father. So I wanna just back up a little bit. We see that it says here, therefore God exalted him to the highest place. Some people, especially people who are not so familiar with the doctrine of the Trinity, who are like new to Christianity, they're like, wait a minute, if Jesus is God, why is God exalting Jesus? Is he exalting himself? Why is he talking in the third person? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit make up the Holy Trinity. They are three persons in one 
triune God. There's a book called Delighting in the Trinity that is phenomenal. I read it a couple of times. The first time I was like, wait, did I get that? And then the second time I was like, I definitely didn't get it. And I'm so glad that I read it again. So I highly recommend checking out Delighting in the Trinity. I think it's a really great representation. There are some diagrams in there, a great explanation of the role of each person of the Godhead. And it helps us understand how their relationships with each other actually play out, right? And so we see a really clear distinction here between God the Father and God the Son, who is Jesus. And it's confirmed again at the end of this passage. So I'm talking about Philippians 2.9, therefore God exalted him, him being Jesus. So when he says, therefore God exalted him, he's saying God the Father exalted him, God the Son. All right. Something else I wanted to highlight is that there are common terms, common sayings in Christianity when you're interacting in like Christian circles that you'll hear people say, right? Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. This is one place where we find that, right? Verses 10 and 11, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. That is talking about end times, right? That's talking about the day of the Lord. When Jesus returns, no matter who you are, no matter where you are, no matter what you believe, you'll be confessing that Jesus is Lord, right? And everyone will be bowing. Whether you confess that Jesus is Lord because that was your confession in life or now that's your confession in death is two different things. Should you not yet be walking with Jesus and have accepted him as your Lord and Savior. I just want to pause real fast. I don't know who's listening, but I pray that you are filled with peace and confidence to make that declaration, to confess it with your mouth and to believe it in your heart that Jesus is Lord. I pray that you would turn from your sin because we are all sinful, right? We are all sinners. I pray that you would recognize that you are a sinner in need of a savior, that you cannot save yourself because nothing that you do will ever make you righteous in the eyes of God. But understand and believe and declare that your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior is what puts you in right standing with God and joins you to God the Father because of your faith in Jesus Christ, who is God the Son. Okay. So that's the message of the gospel, y'all. And I pray that if you don't walk with him, that you would and that you would love him because he loves you. Oh my goodness, he loves you. Alrighty, so shifting into verse 12, this is the passage that I'm gonna be spending some time on. And that was completely unprompted, by the way. Like that was unplanned. That was totally prompted by the Holy Spirit. So shout out to God for for giving me words because I I didn't plan for that. But what I did plan for is to really highlight this section. So I hope that you stick with me for a bit because I'm going to read through this and then I'm going to come back to it. Verse 12, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. We are going to come back to that, okay? 
But man, that moment just before when I just shared the message of the gospel, that is an example of God working in us to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose, right? Like we are actually called to share the good news. We are actually called to be evangelists, however and wherever that happens. So just always be understanding and ready to to say, hey, this task is not as important as this thing that the Lord is leading me to do right now, right? Kind of living with an open hand, living with some margin in your day. When we're in a rush, just to bring this back to like what I do and, and how I help women, time management is not so that we can get everything done. It's so that we have time for what matters most. And the things that matter most are our relationship with the Lord honoring him with our actions, our thoughts, and our speech, right? And being able to witness to someone who doesn't know the Lord, right? Not putting our grocery list or our to-do list before meeting someone where they are and sharing with them a very important message that maybe God has put on your heart for that person. Not, Not having such a tight timeline in your day that you can't stop and pray with someone who you walk with in life, someone who who maybe does know the Lord, but still needs that moment of encouragement and prayer and shared faith with another believer. Alrighty, verse 14, do everything without grumbling or arguing. Again, kind of highlighting the unity thing. So that you may become blameless and pure, quote, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation, end quote. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proven himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I'm confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. So just to pause there, Paul does reference Timothy and himself kind of like a father and son duo throughout his letters. And that is because he sees himself as a spiritual father to Timothy, right? And we actually see in his letters to Timothy directly, the type of exhortations and wisdom that he offers to Timothy. It's like a, you know, a mentor, you know? So shout out to all the spiritual mothers and fathers in the world. They are so important. And I pray that each of us would be used by the Lord to be spiritual mothers to the next generation of believers. Verse 25, but I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. 
Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him so that when you see him again, you may be glad and I may have less anxiety. So then, welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor people like him because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. All right, so we see a shout out to Epaphroditus, obviously one of the guys who is doing this really important work alongside Paul who got sick and almost died. How many people do you know that 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 has happened to, right? And the Lord spared him. And we see just a shout out to God for his nature, right? He's merciful. And that's very clearly outlined here. God had mercy on him and not only on him, but also on me. So when we have these moments where we're walking with someone and someone is so important to us and we see that the Lord has spared them from some calamity, some destruction, right? Their death even. We have to shout out God, not just for having mercy on that person, but also on us because it would bring us great sorrow and God's not blind to that. And I think that that is kind of just a continuation of what I had talked about last week when I shared that Paul himself highlights how wonderful it would be to die and go be with with the Lord. But he is fulfilling his purpose on the earth to do the work that the Lord has put him on the earth to do. And I talked last week about how when someone we care about passes away and we know that they've walked with the Lord, like we're the ones who are sad. But it's not really sad because they go to be with God. And that's amazing. I shared about my own experience with my friend who passed in April. And quite frankly, I still, I mean, I think about her every day. For whatever reason, my daughter has, she used to use this one name in all the stories that she would tell. And now she uses another name. And that name is the name of my friend. So I don't know why that has happened. I didn't talk to her about this, but I'm reminded every day of how I miss my friend, right? It's the sorrow that I feel. And so just take into consideration and remember that God cares about these these things. He cares about our feelings and he understands that we are saddened when we lose someone who is important to us. So I want to go back and really camp out on Philippians 2.12, okay? And this is that passage I shared about working out your salvation with fear and trembling. We see that the beginning of this particular verse starts with, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, he's acknowledging like you've always been obedient, right? Not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. He's saying, when I see you, you're being obedient. And even when I'm not watching you, you're being obedient. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. The thing about that statement that tripped me up personally was the fear and trembling part. I'm like, yes, fear of the Lord, I get it. And there's so much reason to have it, right? Like a reverence, right? But what's the trembling part? I don't think I understand. So I was in my prayer time and I actually approached this study quite differently. I'm reading from my journal, like all these notes that I've taken and shared here for the most part, I'm reading directly from my personal journal that I write in with a pen. So fear and trembling is referenced in 2 Corinthians and 
in the Psalms. So I went back and I looked at those two verses and I looked at the transliteration, which you can do on blueletterbible.org. If you're inside the community, I have a training on how to high level navigate that, right? Just for like the purpose of looking at the interlinear concordance and understanding how to figure out what these words are transliterated to and what definitions are applied. And you can check that out at hurrynewstrength.com forward slash community. If you're in the community already, go to guides and it's under Bible study resources. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 15, Paul wrote, and his affection for you is all the greater when he remembers that you were all obedient, receiving him with fear and trembling. With fear and trembling, right? There is a cross-reference to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 that says, another reason I wrote to you was to see if you would stand the test and be obedient in everything. So common theme, obedience, right? Now, jumping to Psalm chapter 2, verse 11, the psalmist said, serve the Lord with fear and celebrate his rule with trembling. Psalm 119, verse 120, my flesh trembles in fear of you. I stand in awe of your laws. And then Psalm 55, 5, fear and trembling has beset me. Honor has overwhelmed me. So in the Greek, we see that the word fear is phobos, and it means fear, dread, terror. It can also be used to mean reverence for one's husband, okay? And that's per Blue Letter Bible. The Greek word for trembling is tromos. When I say these things, it it makes sense. Like, Um, in my, I speak Spanish and there are words that almost sound like these words, but they mean like other things and they could be similar. But anyway, I come back. Tromos means trembling or quaking with fear, with fear and trembling used to describe the anxiety of one who distrusts his ability completely to meet all requirements, but religiously does his utmost to fulfill his duty. And that, my friends, is when the light bulb clicked for me. I was like, oh, it's knowing that we will never measure up, but still trying. Not because we're, and and this is just my understanding of it as I'm thinking about my own walk, not that this is added in Blue Letter Bible, by the way, but I think about myself and I'm like, yep, never going to be perfect. But I don't use that as an excuse to not try to be more like Christ. I try to be more like Christ. And I know I'll never measure up, right? Like I can't trust in myself to do that, but I could trust in the spirit to be moving in me and to give me more capacity and self-control really to, to be more like Christ. So I actually wrote on that in a recent email that I sent out. If you're in the email community, shout out to you. I love y'all. And I talked about that, right? How my daughter is just like sometimes more filled. <laughs> she just has like more of the fruit of the spirit that is evident in her, especially when interacting with children. But anyway, okay, so that word tromos, I'm coming back, I'm coming back. That word tromos is found in other passages in the New Testament. Mark 16, 8, which says, and they went out and fled from the tomb for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid. 
obviously talking about the uh, resurrection of Jesus. First Corinthians chapter two, verse three. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. I already read second Corinthians 17. We also see that word tromos in Ephesians chapter six, verse five, bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling with a sincere heart as you would Christ. Right. And then in the Old Testament, the words fear and trembling are used in Psalm 211. Okay. And the word fear is yira, which means fear or terror. It can also be used to mean awesome or terrifying thing or some like object causing fear, fear of God, respect, reverence, piety, or revered. Then the word for trembling, which is ra'ad which means trembling or fear. Something that stood out to me, I mentioned Psalm 55, five, is that that section in Psalm 55 is actually titled, cast your burden on the Lord. And that's a mesquil or a compilation, a musical compilation of David. And he expresses that fear and trembling as he considers his enemy. Okay, so in a way it was like misplaced for him, right? So our fear and trembling is misplaced if it's for our enemy. But because that reverence and that response is due only in response to the Lord, not because he wants us to fear him necessarily, but because he wants us to revere him, right? And to understand him and his power and what it means that he's almighty, right? And so it is. Fear and trembling should only be reserved for the Lord because we see based on what we've learned here is that that fear and trembling is a sign of obedience because you know that even though you won't measure up, like you still want to because you walk with the Lord and you love him and you're transformed enough by the, the spirit, right? Sanctification to exercise self-control and to choose better options. All right, y'all. So today was a little longer than last week, not by much, but still, um, I'm very grateful for you. I love y'all. And I just pray that this episode blessed you. I'm hoping that you're enjoying the study so far. I hope that you'll jump over to the community and engage with the post. What did you enjoy most about today's episode? And when you think about fear and trembling, how are you working out your salvation in fear and trembling? What does that look like for you? So I'll see you inside the community. And if I don't, I'll see you on the next one. God bless you. Bye. Hey, sister girl, if you love today's episode, the best way you can show love and support is to leave a written review on Apple Podcasts. This helps other Christian women who want that same support and valuable content actually find the show. Oh, and if you're ready for more and you want to learn about free group Bible study, upcoming events, free courses, and other services, head to HerRenewedStrength.com and subscribe to the weekly newsletter to become an insider. You'll get my weekly top five extra tips and bonuses. I'll see you on the inside.